0: He's the Senior Director of Sports Production for Ball State SportsLink, the leader in sports media and production in the United States of America. Here's Episode 5 of Rich's Sports Media Show with Chris Taylor. CT. Hey,
1: good morning or good afternoon.
0: Yeah, good. well, good morning where you are, good afternoon where I am. How, how are you? Uh, I'm doing well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, all good. You're obviously over in Muncie, Indiana. So, you're a creative storyteller and producer with over 23 years of experience. And then your eleventh year as senior director of sports production at Sportslink and esports as well. What it, with and that's obviously the national. Yeah, you're the national leader in sports media and production, lecturer in telecommunications at Ball State. I'm interested to find out how you got there in the first place. So let's go back to the start. Where did your interest in the sport media industry come from, and how did you first break into it?
1: Oh, great question. I think uh, I've always been a sports fan, grew up playing sports, but never was any good at anything. Um, You know, was a uh, was a bench writer uh, in sports. Uh, Didn't much uh, see the action anywhere when I when I was in high school or or those things, but um, had the opportunity. I had uh, I had some family uh, who worked in film and television. Uh, out in California as I was growing up, uh, and I, I was always kind of interested in what they were doing, and they were making movies, and I would see, you know, see their names and their credits and, and those sorts of things. Uh, and as I started to look at, at schools and and tell them, you know, hey, I, I think I'm interested in, in production and, and doing radio and, and television. You know, my uh, my family was like, you know, based on what you know and what you've told us about the school, right there in your own backyard, which is Ball State University. Like, why would you want to go anywhere else? Um, so I started. Uh, I started in uh, telecommunications production, TCOM production, radio, TV at Ball State. Um, in the uh, this is this is scary to say this, but in uh, in the uh, mid nineties, uh, as a student. Uh, and at the same time, I started working in uh, Ball State Athletics uh, in our sports information department. And in the United States, the, uh, the sports information office, or the SID as we call them, uh, are the folks who coordinate media interviews. Uh, you know, they're the PR uh, folks to to uh, be the go-between between student athletes and coaches and, and media. So I was in this role uh, where I was – you know, arranging media interviews for our coaches and student athletes and working events and keeping statistics. And, uh, and yet as a student learning to produce radio and television and those two just meshed in a way that I was like, wow, I can do this in sports and I want to do this in sports. Uh, and that's really where that started. Uh, and then after I, after I finished my, uh, my undergrad at Ball State University, uh, I continued to work in the athletics department, and I earned my master's degree in sport administration, uh, and then uh, from there, uh, worked in college athletics for about probably 12 years full-time, uh, and we had the idea of, of creating a program uh, that has now become SportsLink, uh, and I had the opportunity to, uh, to basically come back to Ball State and start this program, uh, and so here we are talking to you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's great. It is great to talk to you. So you were the director of athletics and communications and marketing at Ball State. What was that experience like over the 12 years? Did you learn much from it?
1: Oh, there's something every day uh, that I uh, take from those days that I use now and what I'm doing in SportsLink or in the classroom, uh, you know, with, with our students. I think it, it, there's this joke that as a sports information person and those who work in this role in athletics, they're the first person to arrive and turn on the lights in the arena sometimes. And they're the last person to leave and turn off the lights in the arena sometimes. So I, I just think the, the amount of work and how consistent and how I guess hard uh, that we, you know, that we pushed and, you know, every day there was an offense or there was something Um set me up so well for what I'm doing now working with, you know, with, with students and student athletes, Uh, but it was great. Like those, those 12 years in a full-time role and and really closer to 16, if you count my, my student years in that department uh, are some of my best memories, uh, you know, of my life. And I take those, those things and cherish those things. I was able to, you know, traveled to almost all 50 states with one of our athletics teams at some point. Um, I think when I was in athletics, I, I had traveled to maybe seven foreign countries with our athletics teams. Uh, was able to, to work and attend and, and be part of you know, major sporting events, both in college and outside of, outside of um, college athletics here in the United States. And you know, m- some of my best friends. I-, I could easily say that one of my best friends uh, was one of my former athletes. And uh, from from being that, you know, connection as an S I D to-, to an athlete, he's he's become one of my dear, dear best friends. We talk almost every week. Uh, and-, and that relationship with a lot of athletes continues. So I-, I I cherish those days and-, and many times I miss those days too. I miss that day to day traveling with teams and you know, being one of those fourteen or fifteen people in a travel party with, with a team, those were those were great days.
0: That's brilliant. How, how important do you think it is to form those relationships with the athletes? Does it make your job a lot easier?
1: I think it's essential, uh, especially for what we're trying to do. Uh, and I often hear our folks say that, um, you know, they, they I don't know if they kid with me or, or whatever, but I'm kind of the kind of one of those guys. I think that I could strike up a relationship with a brick wall just because I'm curious. (laughs) Um, And and I, and I like that. Right. And I think if you're really good at what you do in terms of what you know, you're doing and what we're doing here in the United States, you have to be curious about people, right? Uh, You have to want to know what motivates them and what drives them. And at the end of the day, uh, Richard, they need to know that you're invested in them, right? If they're going to trust you to, tell a story about them, or you're going to do an interview with them, or, um, you know, some of our best stuff that we do, we take athletes, um, uh, to potentially some of their lowest points in their life. Uh, and you got to build that relationship. You got to build that trust. And, uh, it, it starts before you ever do a project with them. And I'm very adamant that I make sure it continues that, you know, once the cameras are done or once the project is edited, uh, it's not like we never talk or see them again, uh, so you know, I I love it. That's that's the favorite part of what I do, uh, for sure. And it's very very essential.
0: That's superb. And and when you go traveling with the when you went traveling with the teams anyway and the athletes, what were those experiences like? Did you have a balance between work and in, enjoying yourself, or was it all purely about work?
1: Uh, I, I would say, I mean, there was a balance, but it was much uh, more heavier to toward work. Uh, cause you know, in those, in those cases you're traveling, um, you know, I, I here's an example, you know, I, I, traveled to Alaska here in the United States two times with, uh, athletics teams, once with a, a women's volleyball team, uh, for a tournament and, uh, you know, they're there to play and win a tournament. Uh, and so while there was maybe a day or two of, you know, like the five day trip that we were there, or the four day trip that we were there, um, it was, it was basically like, you know, they're practicing, they're watching film, they're playing in a game, maybe there's a, a quick trip to do a little sightseeing and then they're, they're getting ready for the next match. Right. Uh, so, uh, you know. I pretty much was with all those things when they were doing those, but there was a a few times where you could sneak out on your own. Another one was uh, our men's basketball team played in a tournament uh, in Fairbanks, Alaska. Uh, And I I remember one of my favorite memories is our athletics director at the time. uh, His name was Bubba Cunningham. He's now the AD at North Carolina here in the United States. Uh, and and one of my dear friends who uh, now works in Florida, Chris Olm, uh, was a uh, was a manager for our basketball team. Bubba, Chris, and me uh, took an afternoon and we went dog sledding uh, through Alaska. You know, so we actually the team was practicing, getting ready for the game, but the three of us uh, were able to sneak away and experience a little Alaskan life. But then then we were back and showered up and back in the arena and ready to go. So. Uh, so yeah, I think you know there's a balance of of all of that, and uh, it, it comes down to how you could prioritize it and do your job. But at the end of the day, we were there to play sports, and our teams were there to compete. Uh, it wasn't wasn't like a vacation, but we tried to squeeze a few things in. <laughs> that
0: sounds that sounds absolutely amazing. And you mentioned there volleyball, basketball, and obviously athletics as well, all different sports. Did you have to? learn more about any sports to cover them professionally or did you already know about all these sports going into the job already and what other sports did you have to cover if any oh yeah oh for
1: sure I, had, I mean we had to I had to learn a lot you know being from Indiana uh, we live we breathe uh, we bleed basketball in this state uh, so like that's one that you grow up with and, and you know and uh, everyone knows uh, volleyball is pretty big in our state, uh, so so I understood those sports. But um, you know, there are sports that that we had to learn. We have field hockey at Ball State University, and I had never seen field hockey until I was assigned to keep statistics my first time at a field hockey match. So I had to had to learn it and, and understand that. And swimming and diving uh, is a sport that you know has its nuances that we had to learn. Um, we have, we, we have, luckily, at Ball State, we have 19 sports. Um, so outside of, you know, your, your things like basketball and uh, American football for us, uh, baseball, you know, the, the big sports you see, there are a lot of other sports cross countries and track and athletics and field hockey and swimming and tennis, uh, you know, that, that we have the opportunity to, to, to work with and cover. Uh, and in those SID days when I was in the athletics department, certainly I had to learn those sports uh, and understand uh, what, what, they, what they were. Uh, so I, I feel like I'm pretty well-versed in a, uh, just about any American sport anyway.
0: <laughs> That's incredible to know all about, about 19 sports. When you were younger, did you play any of those sports yourself?
1: I was a basketball kid, uh, obviously. Like, I think everyone – my father is fast, but, you know, we had the hoop in the driveway growing up, and we would go out and shoot basketball. And if you you travel through our state, you can pretty much see a basketball hoop in just about at least every other driveway probably in the state. Uh, So I I think everyone at some point plays basketball growing up in Indiana, but uh, I wasn't uh, very good. (laughs) Uh, I loved it. And in many ways, I think that's kind of drew, drew me into what I'm doing now. It was like, I love the sport. I knew I couldn't play it, but I wanted to be connected to it in some way. Uh, so baseball uh, or I'm sorry, basketball. Uh, I, I played some baseball really young in my age, uh, you know, like some youth leagues, but uh, basketball was really the only sport that I, uh, that I played, and when I say
0: play, I mean
1: <laughs> very, very loosely
0: well taking parts the main thing isn't it um uh, you're so you're obviously the director of athletics i think you mentioned a couple of people you worked with earlier as well but how many people were on that communications and marketing team was it big or small uh let's see in my
1: uh, in my day in that office we had a staff of uh, myself one two three four i think we had a staff of uh five full-time folks And then uh, two graduate assistants at that time, Uh, and then we had a student staff of probably you know five to ten students, Uh, so it it, it was pretty large. And and you know, for us, we each were assigned a sport. So I just mentioned that at Ball State, there's roughly 19 sports, or at any point there are 19 sports. You know, so like I was the contact maybe for men's basketball, men's and women's golf, uh, soccer. Maybe those are my you know, those are my uh, sports. And then one of our other full-time staff members took uh, volleyball or football and those things. So while we all helped each other, we were the main contact for certain sports. Uh, so it was a pretty big staff uh, in those in those days, for sure.
0: That is a huge team of staff, isn't it? And after your 12 years there, then where, where did you go next?
1: Uh, yeah, in 2000, uh, man, I'm trying to think what that was. Probably late 2007. Uh, early 2008, um, I uh, I took a new job uh, in Nashville, Tennessee as a uh, senior project manager um, in basically corporate communication. Uh, if those who truly know me know that I'm a, I'm a huge country music fan, I love Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, it's one of my favorite cities. Uh, in the world. And I feel like I can say that. Um, so I was very excited to, to try to go down there and start doing stuff. Um, I learned a lot. And one of the things I learned is that I need to research jobs a little bit more because I, I uh, probably took the job because it was in Nashville and I didn't take the job because of what the job was. Uh, so I was in, uh, over the part of better part of two years, I was in Nashville. Um, working in corporate communications. I, I really, I hated the job. It was a desk job. Uh, and, uh, it's, I, for the first time in my career, like I actually went in and sat at a desk, you know, from like eight to five. And, uh, I, I quickly learned that's just not who I am. Uh, but it was great. I learned a lot, made good contacts. Um, I love Nashville someday in the future. I see myself back in that area. Uh, you know, in the, whatever, the next chapter of my life, maybe in that area, I think it would be a great place to, to go back and live. Um, but it was in corporate communication, working with agencies, some in sports, most of it was out of sports. Uh, so I just really kind of lost and uh, left what I really loved, I guess. Um, and then had the opportunity to, uh, uh, to come back to Ball State and start Ball State Sports Link, uh, which is something that we had talked about when I when worked in the athletics department previously. Anyway, um, there's a chance to come back, kind of start this, see where it would go. I, I'll be honest with you; I didn't think that you know, ten or eleven years later, I would still be doing this. Um, initially it was like, okay, yeah, let's go back. Let's get this. We could create something gets me back doing sports gets me back doing production and media that I love. Uh, I'll, I'll freshen up on my skills and, and then I'll, I'll move on and find the next job. Um, but I also knew that we could build something pretty special here at ball state. Uh, and we've had great support and we've had great success. Uh, and now really this is now my 11th year as director of our, uh, sports production program at Ball State. Uh, it's kind of like my baby in a sense. So, like, <laughs> I'm not ready to leave it just yet.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That must have been strange going from traveling around with athletics and other other teams and stuff at Ball State to a desk job. What was that sort of transition like?
1: Horrible. <laughs> uh, I, I thought – uh honestly i thought at the time like wow okay this is gonna be great like i'm gonna go do the eight to five job and then like have a normal life uh you know people who work in sports as you know uh, and probably those listening to the podcast for the most part uh, you know sports usually happens every day after hours in the evenings on the weekends on holidays uh, so i was excited i think at one point to be like wow i could I could work Monday through Friday and be home by five and have my weekends free, uh, have my holidays free. Uh, and I, I'm telling you it was probably less than a month into that job in Tennessee where I, I know I, I call home and I talked to my mom and I, I was just like, I can't do this. This is not me. You know, uh, and no offense to those who do and can do that job, because that's in a, those they're those people too. But I'm just not wired that way. And what you said is is actually very accurate. Um, you know, traveling with those teams and being around those teams and always on the go and doing something like I just I couldn't turn that motor off. Um. So, um, I, yeah, I I was I was looking to to get back into something where where I was active. Um, agency work, I guess is what you could call it. Um, And and for those who work in agencies or or do those things or uh, in corporate, uh, you have clients and you have billable hours, right? Uh, And in the role that I was in, I literally had to, every 30 minutes of my day, I had to mark down what client I was working for and what I was working on so that they could be billed for what I did. Uh, and never in my life had I went 30 minutes at a time in my day. <laughs> uh, so those were just things that were crazy for me. And, and I, you know, it, I also consider it a blessing because like, all right, I tried it. I tried that corporate life. I tried doing those things. And I know that I'm not cut out for that uh, You know, So I learned there that I, I don't really have any in, intention to go back and do those sorts of things again. <laughs>
0: You said you really wanted to live in Tennessee. Obviously, you didn't enjoy the job, but did you make the most of that experience anyway? Were there positives? Oh, oh yeah.
1: Yeah, I have a lot of friends there. I made a lot of friends there. I had a lot of friends before I moved down there in, in the industry and in the music industry. Um, and I and I joke, you know, the nine to five or the eight to five I hated, but the uh the five to nine or the uh five to five a.m you know after work uh there was music everywhere there were honky tonks there was live music such a creative area um you know i get out of work and go home and shower up and then go you know go watch friends play music or go to a concert i loved i loved love love that aspect of it um, but the uh, the day part and the the job was uh i just couldn't do that
0: <laughs> at least you made the most of it anyway um <laughs> and to SportsLink, who created SportsLink? Did you did you create it, or did someone else?
1: uh yeah, it was an idea that came uh, when I was working in athletics. Uh, we were trying to find ways to get more video content, uh, and, and again, I hate to say this because it starts to make me feel old, but you know, in the in the late '90s, early 2000s was really when you know internet. Uh, and websites were starting to boom, uh, and, you know, the the demand for more and more content and video content, all that started really, really growing, um, and as an SID working in athletics, we wanted to have video, and we wanted to have radio, and we wanted to have stories on our athletes that just weren't print, uh, so at that time, uh, I, I was working with uh, his name is Dr. Joe Mishevitz. He was the chair of the TCOM department at Ball State. Uh, and we started, you know, he started giving me a couple of students uh, for credit when I was in athletics who could come in and shoot video and loan us some cameras and stuff from the from the radio TV department. Uh, and so we started this real early form of what now has become SportsLink. Um, and then when I was gone from the university in 2000. Eight nine uh, era, um, Dr. Joe and some uh, teachers in the uh, the Tecom department uh, basically started a pilot program uh, off of those ideas. Um, and I, it's weird because when I was in in Nashville, like I was connected and watching what they were doing, uh, and Dr. Joe reached out. He's a mentor to me, and I had reached out to Dr. Joe. He knew that things weren't going as well as I professionally wanted them to go in the position I was in in Nashville uh, and he's like look we we tried this sports link program as a pilot program in the fall of 2008 we had four uh, instructors in our department uh, who were doing it as an overload or just seeing if there was like merit to this uh, And he's like I think there's merit to it but he's like I have to hire someone to come back and like lead it uh, if it's going to stick and he's like would you would you want to come back? He's like, I can offer you a 10 month contract. There's no guarantees that it would last more than 10 months. Uh, but he's like, you know, if, if you would like to come back and try to build this, uh, and see where, where it would go. And I was like, absolutely. Like, I, I'll start as soon as you can get me there. Um, uh, and then, uh, I started in 2009, August of 2009. Um, and, and, And since then, we've just continued to grow it. And now now it's become the first four-year sports production uh, academic track in the United States, the only one. Uh, We've grown from, you know, my first year, I think we had about eight or nine students. Now we're over 50 in our program. Uh, We've built a beautiful new facility, and we have all this lab space, and we're doing great work, And and a partnership with ESPN uh so it, it's it's really really special and, and and so as i mentioned earlier it's it is it is like a, it's it's like my baby in a sense i'm very very invested in it and i uh, i put a lot of time and a lot of energy um into into what we do uh and and i love it
0: 10 months originally and here you are now
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: i know I, it's crazy to
1: think about but um ball state is a special place like it's a uh, it it's it's a campus it's a community where like you can be yourself you can be creative you're supported uh and, you know and uh in most cases if, if ball state has never told me no on anything right like it, it, you know if i could justify why i wanted to do this or hey could we go try to do this um uh, you know Certainly there's been times where, oh no, we can't do that or you can't do that. But like, I I probably could count those times on one hand over the course of 11 years. Uh, And I think at the end of the day, all all, anyone like me or a creative type can ask for is being in a, in a position where you're supported. uh, You have the resources that you need to do. uh, And you can take chances and be creative and also take chances and fail, but Uh, If you fail, you're not punished for them necessarily. Uh, You learn from them. And I I think I have certainly had other opportunities to to go to other schools uh, here in the United States and work in a similar program or work in an athletics department. And someday maybe I will do that. Um, But right now, you know, I've looked at those. I've entertained those. I've interviewed at some of those schools. And at the end of the day i I'm, I'm just like, I can do all those things at Ball state uh, and I have you know a president and a dean and a chair, and we have an athletics director like um, everyone is supportive of of what we do uh, and I think that's extremely rare sometimes and I, but right now it's like this is this is good we're doing everything that we need to do, and certainly we would like to do more, and we hope that we could do different things but um Honestly, I, I also think you know, the pandemic that we've been in for now almost a year, and hopefully hopefully, it's, it's on its last, last leg of, of what we've all been going through. But like, it also has allowed me to see that, you know, that the grass is not always greener on the other side. It's greener where you water it. And I think that we've had the chance to, to really <laughs> water and grow what we've, what we've done here. And, and, and I think the last year has made me appreciate that even more
0: certainly an incredible story and I'm going back to the start when you had eight or nine students you were just starting off how did you sort of market the course and convince people to want to do it
1: (laughs) uh yeah I remember this uh like literally that first semester in August of 2009 uh, I was pulling kids from the hallway uh like (laughs) physically and real realistically, like going down the hallway and like saying, Hey, are you interested in sports, sports media, uh, to, to grow that number. Uh, we had a good core group, you know, there were students who were part of that 2008 pilot program that our instructors, uh, at ball state. And, and, um, at least three of those, uh, instructors are still within our, uh, or I'm sorry, in our TCOM department. Um, So there was a good base of some students that were part of that 2008 pilot program that maybe were seniors uh, or juniors. You know, that first year I started, Uh, so they helped recruit other students. And and um, you know, at the end of the day, I think we just started doing consistent work. It wasn't maybe the best work, but you know, we started to build our brand. Uh, We started to produce content, and it was labeled or branded as SportsLink. Uh, And then you know. I think it was pretty good content. It was something different that hadn't been done at Ball State. And then more people started to see it. And then it started to get picked up. And we just started to build that brand. Uh, I think it goes back to the quality of work, honestly, and the quality of the students and the and the effort that they put into it. Uh, and then once we kind of had that look and, and uh, doing stuff, you know, then people were like, wow, I want to be part of that. I want to be part of that. And that's uh, that's kind of how we grew it. But yeah, that first uh, that first semester, I know I was uh, going through the hallways, and if anyone looked athletic or looked sporty or looked like they could be a really good creative person, I I would be like, hey, are you interested in sports?
0: <laughs> uh, and we found a, we found a few by doing that, which is great. <laughs> did it conflict with any other courses at the university as well, like the likes of broadcasting courses or anything like that? And did anyone make a crossover from? Maybe one of those courses.
1: I think so. Like we we already had, uh, like Ball State is a really good production school um, in terms of television and film and, and radio and those things. So there were production courses that were already in place. You know, like your 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 audio and video production classes. Um, but what we were able to create was like that area of specifics. So like you could do sports production where you know prior to SportsLink, there there wasn't like a formalized area to to do sports stuff it was just maybe part of these other things uh, so it's certainly like we did that you know we we've seen we saw folks who were in our journalism side at times or our news uh, who were doing sports that way uh, but really didn't want to be like the sports anchor or sit behind the desk uh, a few of those folks uh, you know, maybe, I don't want to say crossed over, but, you know, came into this because it's truly what they wanted to do. And it was the first time uh, that it was available at Ball State to do that. And since that time, we still have, we still get a few folks who who are interested in other areas, and uh, you know, from sport administration or sports marketing. uh, We get some, some, uh, marketing students who are interested in and we find ways that students who maybe aren't into necessarily sports production can still be part of what we do. Uh, Cause I think at the end of the day, we're trying to to build someone in our program that could produce sports, can create content, can be a storyteller, could uh, sell tickets or revenue to sporting events. And you kind of have this whole wheel wheelhouse or what I like to call toolbox of tools by the time you leave that makes you very marketable and, and very employable uh, in our industry. So, uh, so yeah, that's kind of where that has evolved.
0: And the course has obviously grown massively as well. Has the course content changed much since it first began? Uh, it, it has, but
1: I think the, uh, the one thing that hasn't changed is, you know, from day one, I, I, uh, I had a mission vision and a value statement of what I wanted to do in SportsLink And, um, we, we, we added a new uh, vision and a value just this year. So in my 11th year, we, we've kept the original five and, and we've added a sixth. Uh, but in terms of course content and what we're doing, uh, it has always been the foundation of storytelling. Uh, how are we telling a story? And, and how does that transpire then into a radio broadcast, into a television broadcast, into a hype video or a social media piece of content? Or how is that into a layered feature story that I think we're that we're known for and I'm uh, extremely passionate about doing those types of things so storytelling has always been our foundation and while the medium has changed and maybe the delivery has changed um, being able to tell a story has not um, so I, I'm big on that foundation of what's the story? How do you develop the story? How do you structure a story? How do you move through a story? And if you can do those things, I, I kind of have this line, the story still wins. <laughs> um, so even with all the changes in content and streaming and distribution, like a good story is still going to be a good story and it's going to stick out on whatever platform it is. Um, and then the other thing that that changed from when we originally started to, uh, to now, uh is that we've become an ESPN production partner. So in the United States, ESPN has partnered with schools to, to produce content. Uh, so about, I don't know, honestly, what year that was, but you know maybe about halfway through, so maybe like five years ago, uh, our conference that we play in, the Mid-American Conference, uh, teams throughout the, the, the Midwest are part of this conference, uh, became a, uh, an ESPN conference, basically. Uh, and then it um, production requirements started to come down to the schools, where schools would be uh, asked uh, and eventually required to produce X number of events that would air on an ESPN platform. Well, we were, we were the first one in our campus to do that consistently because we were already doing it, you know, in SportsLink. All we had to do was kind of adapt to the ESPN model of production and incorporating their look and their graphics and, and meeting their production standards. Um, so now that you know, now every live event that we produce for the most part will end up on an ESPN platform produced by students in all positions. Uh, so that changed about midway through, not so much what we were doing it just elevated onto a national stage and, and what we had been doing set us up very nicely to be successful with that.
0: That must be brilliant for the students working with ESPN as well. How do you sort of prepare the students to work in that environment and what year do they have to be in or do they do that from the start?
1: Well, we're excited to say that, you know, basically from day one at Ball State, a student who comes into our program could be, uh, be in and basically are active from day one Um, I I typically I I don't really differentiate between our students if they're a freshman or a senior if you will Uh, a first-year student or a fourth-year student for us Um, it's it's who wants to work and who's who's putting forth the effort and they want to be involved So, you know, I I think we try to prepare, uh, you know, when you think about athletics and and coaches and all those things that we all deal with, uh, we definitely watch film, if you will, right? Like, we'll watch broadcasts of sporting events and be like, here's where cameras are placed and these are why the cameras are here, and this is why uh, or what or how we want you on this camera to, to operate your camera when we do this event tomorrow night or whatever. Uh, and in many ways we'll come back after the event and watch a little, you know, clip of film in our class and be, all right, here's the event we just broadcast on Sunday. Let's watch a 10 minute stretch of it and we'll just make sure and we'll see what we did right, what we did wrong and what we can improve the next time. Uh, the true learning though happens when you're actually in the seat. So while uh, we try to train and get people prepared, as much as we can in the different roles of a production Um, nothing replicates uh, sitting in that seat in a control room or behind a camera with a headset on and you have someone uh, on the other end connected at ESPN who says okay we're live in one minute we're live in 30 seconds and they start to count you down and then literally like you got to go we got to do it and that's where you that's where you truly uh truly learn I think and and as a staff we're there to to make sure that uh, you know, we we keep it keep it on the track, but also give them enough space to uh, uh, to learn and fail and, and grow as as we go. Right?
0: Are there any limitations on the number of students that can work on one particular broadcast, and how do you sort of choose who works on what?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of times it would depend on what the sport is that we might be producing, uh, but in most cases, uh, we we would have a. Uh, Well, pre-COVID, we would definitely have, you know, probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 20-ish students working on any particular broadcast. Um, Those numbers have changed a little bit uh, due to social distancing and and some restrictions, but uh, that's also starting to ease up a little bit. But, um, you know, most ESPN requirements are at least a three or a four camera broadcast to, to... To be valid for ESPN platform, Uh, we typically, depending on what the sport is, we would at least probably go to six or eight cameras. Uh, You know, kind of try to follow the more national level ESPN productions and major sports that you see. Uh, So you know, we would have producer, a director, a technical director, an associate director. Uh, We'd have a graphics person, maybe a graphics assistant. We'd have two replay operators, uh, two people on audio, uh, play-by-play talent, sidelines, stage manager, timeout coordinator, and then however many cameras that we would have, you know, whether that be four or six or eight uh, operators at times. So uh, it, it can vary on the sport, but, you know, consistently there's 12 to 15 students working every broadcast, uh, and at times that number could go over 20.
0: That's that's amazing. And do they alternate roles from one event to the next? Obviously, they won't do the same event. But like, if they do one event, will they do a different role on the next event? Yeah,
1: and part of part of our you know part of our philosophy as as a academic program is is to get people exposed and and trained on all the different roles. Um, but what we will start to see um, is a student who. It it, it could work both ways, honestly. Um, One of my favorite things is when a student sits maybe in a seat for the first time, uh, and then somewhere you just see it in their eyes or it clicks. Like they're like, wow, I like this position. Uh, And I, you know, I love it as an instructor that when we're done with a broadcast, the student looks at me and is like, I never thought I'd like that, but I think I really like directing. Um, And then in most cases, you're like, yeah, you did a really good job, and you need to direct more. Uh, but there, we could also have the case where someone, you know, gets out of that seat for the first time, and they're sweating bullets, and they're like, "Look, I don't want to do that position again. Like, that's not for me." And that's okay. Like, we—that's why we're here. That's why we learned. But we'll, we'll start to play to people's strengths. Like, if if you know someone is really good in a certain position, and they and they say, "Hey, I really like that." I could see myself doing this as I move forward in my career, then we'll give them, we'll start to give them more opportunities. Um, But at the end of the day, we want everyone to be able to at least be knowledgeable enough about every other position on the crew so that at least you know how they communicate and how they operate together. So if you're a producer or a director and you're asking your cameras to get a certain shot, at some point... You're also the camera operator and a different producer and director telling you to get the shot. And when you're in that role, then hopefully you, you learn, you know, hey, when I'm a director, I know I needed to coach my cameras this way because I just learned this. Or when I'm a camera operator, I know I want to make sure I'm listening to my director to say this. Uh, that's when you see it. Uh, and, and frankly, we, we're just starting to get that flow this year uh, because we haven't. You know, we haven't had those opportunities due to the pandemic, but now we're back, we're doing live production. We feel like we're a little bit behind because uh, we didn't, we know we had a semester of not doing anything really from a production standpoint. Uh, and we're starting to get that, that groove right now uh, this semester. It's exciting when you see that.
0: And you obviously get a lot of, well, there's a lot of people on the course already people who go to apply for the course. What do you expect from them?
1: I think at the end of the day, we just, we expect a good person. I know that's cliche, but like, uh, you know, w- we have an application process. We want to see, we want to see a body of work. We want to see a portfolio of work. Uh, like what have you done? It, it doesn't have to be like great work, but we want to see that you've at least started to do something, um, uh, and, and we know that here in the United States, not everyone coming from a high school maybe has the opportunity to do radio or television broadcast. Uh, although that's becoming more and more uh, prevalent uh, in the United States, especially in sports at at the high school level. Um, but there's a, there's a written essay that's part of our application process. And that really is, uh, I, I take that to heart. And so does the other members of, of our staff, uh, you know, do they just want to work in sports or do sports because it's cool and they can sit at the half court or they can go to games or do they want to be part of sports because they want it to be a career. Uh, and you can quickly kind of see if they're just a fan through a written essay or if they actually like understand and they know what they want to do. So there's that a- aspect of it too. Um, you know, and, and we're also looking for potential. Uh, you know, how can we, how can we, does this person have the potential? Uh, have they done enough or have they shown, have they written well enough to say that this is what they want to do? And do do, do we think they have a potential? Uh, are they going to work to get there? And, and that's kind of part of our true application process.
0: That's brilliant. And the whole storytelling aspect of it, it obviously took you to Wales, to Global Partners, Cardiff Metropolitan University. Um how how did that come about?
1: Um I'm I'm so proud of that thing. Uh with uh with my uh with my colleague Joe Towns at Cardiff Met, like that um this whole thing has just been brilliant. Um and uh you know the, the short answer to how all this came about is uh, as Joe Towns and Cardiff Met were starting to develop the, the sport broadcast program there, um, it, it appeared there wasn't many uh, mentors or programs, you know, in the United, United Kingdom, at least, uh, that does this program or did something like this. Uh, and so through, through the internet and searches, uh, Joe and, uh, and others at Cardiff Met uh, found us uh, and what ball state was doing. And this is kind of what they were wanting to do at Cardiff met. Um, and it, it's really unique, you know, cause we're basically, you know, we're the first four year digital sports production track in the United States. And, and Cardiff met is starting both now the undergrad and uh, the master's program that they've had for a few years. Um, so that connection was just awesome. Man. It basically was uh, an email connection uh, asking about how we did things and, and how we built our program. Uh, the, you know, those conversations continue for a few, a few years, eh, a few months, a year, I guess. Uh, and then uh, Joe uh, and Dr. Hardman uh, from uh, Cardiff Met visited, uh, visited the United States and came to Ball State. Uh, and we met in person and then really that's kind of where just like Joe and I became like really super connected and we're like, wow, let's do this. Let's find a way to, to make this happen. Uh, and so from there it went to like guest lectures or virtual sessions and Skype sessions. And, uh, you know, me talking to the Cardiff Met folks and Joe talking to our kids and uh, that led to Joe and Lucas who are part of the program now visiting a couple of year, years ago, uh, which then led to us bringing students to Cardiff Met last year, uh, and now we're in this global partnership, and hopefully, when the pandemic eases, uh, we'll be we'll be welcoming some Cardiff Met students to the United States, and we'll be taking another group of students back uh, back over your way. Uh, hopefully, maybe in twenty twenty two, if things get if things get better.
0: And you took the students over just prior to the pandemic, obviously, to create the transatlantic storytelling project. What was that process like? Because you obviously came over for. So about ten days or so, and uh, had to create this documentary.
1: Yeah, we uh, it was it was a twelve day trip, but really ten days on the ground there in in Cardiff. Um, And I just I still can't believe all we did and what we did while we were there. And like, um, I mean, it is something I will never forget uh, in my life of of what that was and the relationships that we built and the and the things that we did. It was my second trip to Wales. you know, first time bringing students, but my second trip overall after coming over the year before to to meet and explore uh, with those guys. But um, I mean, we worked really hard on it. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. Like, you know, in January, February of, of 2020, we we were working with our students and identifying potential stories we wanted to tell and researching and trying to connect with the athletes or coaches and, uh, so that when we hit the ground, uh, for those uh, for those days in Wales that like we were ready to go, uh, and we we did, <laughs> man, we we went every day, every hour, but it was so much fun, uh, just unbelievable. But uh, I think the thing that is the most crazy about what happened uh, is that that was early stages of this thing called the coronavirus and COVID. You know, there are no identified cases anywhere other than, I think, in, the, in like, the, uh, uh, the Asian countries, um, China or one of those things. And there was some initial thought, you know, early here in the United States and even on the Cardiff Met side, like, well, we need to be aware of this. But, like, no one knew what, knew what was going on at the time. Uh, and so, like, we, we traveled and then uh, we left late February in 2020. And we got there and then you started to see a few more cases uh, pop up across the world and the United States. I remember specifically basically on day three or four, um, we were going to go to Mumbles uh, and uh, out to the Gower. Uh, We were going to do a story. We did the story still on Harrison Walsh, uh, the great discus and uh, athlete that that you guys have there. but on that third or fourth day of our trip, we were going to go, Harrison's from, uh, from Mumbles. We were going to go to Mumbles and uh, shoot Harrison on the, you know, back at home and walking the streets and uh, out on the gower and all these scenic shots and all these crazy things back in his hometown or his home city, his home village, I guess. Uh, and I remember Joe saying, hey, uh, Mumbles just had its first case confirmed of covid um, and I don't know that we should probably go there <laughs> and they're like, oh my, okay, this is getting real. So we didn't go, we went to other areas, we still did the story. And then, you know, while we were there, we started hearing more and more cases come up and, and doing things, but yet it was still so unknown to everyone. And then the, uh, basically the final night that we were in, uh, Wales, uh, we went to a Cardiff Devils hockey match. Uh, And then the next day uh, was our last day uh, in in Wales. And we got a message from uh, an email from Ball State saying, hey, if if you guys are on spring break, uh, you're traveling out of the country. uh, We're really concerned about the coronavirus and COVID and, you know, we we may not be able to get you back in the country. We need to like be following what's going on. And then we're like, okay, now this is real. So we got back into the United States, we landed on March 9th, Uh, I'm quite positive uh, about 24 to 36 hours later is when the World Health Organization uh, said that uh, the Coronavirus is a global pandemic. Uh, And then on March 12th, I think it was March 12th is when basically everything shut down. And so we went through the process of, okay, well, we just went to Wales. We were going to come back and spend the next two months on campus editing this documentary and working on this, you know, as a group. Uh, And less than 48 hours after we landed back in the United States, we were all in different places. We were home. We couldn't go anywhere. We're like, okay, what's going to happen? So uh, our students worked on their projects and we edited this documentary uh, remotely from about seven different states, which is just crazy to think about. Uh, but also makes you like just super proud of, of how we, how it turned out. That was a really long answer, but crazy. It was just
0: crazy. Exactly. As long as you got the documentary complete, that was the main thing. And of course the documentary ended up on ESPN in the U S and on premier sports in the UK as well.
1: Yeah. Crazy. Uh, I mean, we're super proud of it. And I think uh, uh, it's received some, some television play here in the United States. Uh, Obviously, uh, uh, premier Sports over in the UK, which um, you know was a big deal for for all of for all of us, you know, and and certainly for the for the folks at Cardiff met and for the people who were part of our documentary. I think it was pretty cool to see it on linear television in the UK, um, and uh, it's just been a tremendous project. Uh, and like, we're I can't wait to get to the next step and come back and do a different documentary. And, Find more athletes and more stories to tell. And, and I, you know, I truly believe at some point we're going to have students from Cardiff Met come over here and do the similar kind of thing, doing that stories on our athletes and, you know, sports here in the United States. And it's, uh, uh you never want to say a legacy type thing, but like when you go back and look at what all state and Cardiff Met has done like that, that has become in a sense of like a legacy project that, Uh, Not many people can say. So I think uh, I know I speak for Joe and I certainly speak for myself in Ball State. Like we're just so, we're so excited and proud of what that turned into that it's just kind of taken a life of its own now. uh well in my first visit to wales i think it was in uh, 2019 it was if, uh, uh, myself and brad Bailey who's on my staff and more of your students uh, we came, came over in as spring back to wales. uh as we were like okay this thing can work but MSc you know our university wanted us to go over and Ollie visit Thompson. look
0: at the, you know, look at the university try to plan what our students
1: would be doing if we were able to take students uh so in a sense it was a scouting visit in 2019 and uh, we met with the students and, and did lectures and Joe and, and the group there was just amazing in terms of like showing us around uh, but uh, with Ollie it was uh, it was this it was like hey we're gonna go over to uh, Cardiff City FC where one of our sports uh, sport broadcast students Ollie Thompson is now working uh, and Ollie gave us a tour like gave us a tour of the stadium and we did all these different things and and, uh, that was my first chance to meet Ollie and then uh, you know later that night or throughout the time we were there he he came by and you know
0: Maya went out to
1: a a pub or two and and chatted and just started talking about different things and Ollie was Ollie indicated that he had a real interest in American sports specifically basketball uh, that he would love to get over and and see what we do Um, and I had a graduate assistantship opening up uh, in 2020. Uh, and I, even though he already had his master's and he was working professionally, there was interest to, from Ollie's standpoint that, well, yeah, I think I might be interested in coming over and doing that. Uh, and, and really that first meeting, like that tour of uh, the stadium, uh, Cardiff City FC, uh, going around the stadium and beating Ollie and talking about things Brad and I both like – Like wow! Like he would be a great fit for us if he really if this could really happen. Uh, And I think it just you know when we're talking about the partnership, it shows the next level of the partnership now. You know because now we actually have a student or a former student of of Met uh, now you know on our staff for the next two years. Uh, And and I really could see it going up the, the same way. Like I think we could eventually be sending a student. Uh, who graduates from our program over to do their master's in at Cardiff. Uh, and so Ollie is just, he, he's been terrific. Uh, he, he just, he, he's brought something to us that obviously we, we could never replicate. Uh, and I, I think, and I hope, and I know that he's, he's learning a lot from us because we basically dropped him. Uh, I think he's here. He's been here for six weeks and I think he's already worked on at least seven ESPN shows uh, in in quite uh, quite you know big roles for us in terms of graphics and some other things um he he led a uh, creative shoot with our uh, football team or your soccer uh, our soccer team uh, with a couple of our students just this week and uh, it's it's been a it's been a real joy to have him here and just another example of how this relationship i think it, again has has grown and uh, not to say it again but it's taken on a life of its own it's really awesome
0: it it really is really is that next next level isn't it and in terms of your students do they do much work outside of the course do they go and get their own work experience and also your former students as well what have they gone on to work in
1: uh yes the answer is yes they uh you know we're very busy with what we do uh, in terms of an academic year but Indiana is a great sports state, uh, the city of Indianapolis, uh, Indiana, which is just down the road from us. Um, you know, they have we have an NFL team, we have an NBA team, we have the largest one-day sporting event in the world with the Indianapolis 500. Uh, we have Major League Baseball, we have professional, or I'm sorry, Minor League Baseball, professional soccer, um, production houses. uh so there's a lot of opportunity for our students to to work on those things, you know over the summer or get internships, not just in our state but really around the, the United States. Um, so yeah, you know, we encourage that. We hope to facilitate that. We want them to do internships. We want them to get experience outside of, of just us to help build their their portfolio and their, and their resumes. Uh, and we've seen a, the, you know a majority of our students. in a sense uh kind of leapfrog what could be an entry-level job at many of those places uh, and kind of move right into that you know that second level type job because of the four years or the experience that they've gained as, as part of our program which is is really really cool um, so yeah we have we have graduates uh all over the United States working, uh, you know, working at ESPN or Turner sports or Fox sports. Uh, a large number of our students are, are working in professional sports from the NFL to the NBA uh, to Indy car racing, to NASCAR racing um, everywhere in between. And then uh, the, uh, probably the largest majority of our students are actually working in uh, NCAA college athletics departments uh, you know, creating video or uh, creative content producers for a team or a, a, a brand, if you will. So uh, it's quite good. It's, it's crazy to see how how many folks we have out there now. And when you think about that, you know, basically it's a four year degree where, you know, this is year 11 for me. Uh, so some of our folks haven't been out in the in the workforce more than maybe five or six years and they're already in really key positions and now we're just building that network and that SL family and uh, across the country in sports and it's really exciting to see.
0: Yeah, that's amazing and it just shows how successful the course is really. Uh, the whole point of this podcast really is to give advice for those looking to break into the sport media industry, whether they're a student or whether they're looking for a career change. Advice can be a difficult thing, but do you have any advice for people looking to break into the sport media industry?
1: Well, be curious is, is something that I would always say. Um, and I think you could, you could divvy that up into multiple ways of being curious. You certainly need to be curious about a story or a storyteller or what could you do or how you could be creative, but also be curious in terms of roles and opportunities in the industry. Um, I think a lot of, I don't think, I know that a lot of young people, at least those here in the United States who enter our program, um, they only see sports from what they have seen on television or heard on the radio, right? So like, oh, I want to be an announcer or I want to be a sideline reporter because that's who they see or that's what they, you know, that's what they're exposed to. Um, it's always quite Eye-opening for some students uh, to see that okay, there's a play-by-play announcer, there's a color commentator, maybe there's a sideline reporter. Those are three people, but then there are 17 to 20 other people who are working on this broadcast, and those are the roles that you could be in too. So be curious, right? Like you, you never know that what role that might be. We were just talking about, you know, you know, a, a, a big-time sports production. Uh, is easily 20 people or more. And, and at the, the professional levels, those crews could reach into the hundreds, right? Like when you're talking about Super Bowls and March Madness and uh, whatever, Wimbledon and all those things that we think of, there's so many opportunities that's more than just the announcer or the play by play person that you see on the TV or you hear. Uh, so be curious. Uh, the other thing I think I would say is be opportunistic. Um, You never know who's watching or who's listening or where a contact could be made. Uh, So be opportunistic that everyone you interact with could and probably can and maybe will influence your future. Uh, There's this thing I I, I love, and, and I don't know if you're familiar with it or not, or or whatever but there's this story uh, this philosophy this science of that's called 6 degrees of separation which means that everyone in the world is separated from everyone else by six people like you could go through and say hey I know this person I know this person I know this person I work with this person and by doing that you're connected to everyone in the world by six people uh, I've never tested it other than I know that it's true in my life, it seems like. Uh, and I think in sports, I, I say you're connected by three people. Uh, and that's where being opportunistic is important because you just never know, right? Like, uh, I would have never met Ollie if it wasn't for Joe. Uh, and then Ollie would have never met someone now who works at ESPN. If it wasn't for me, you know what I mean? Like it's just like some craziness that happens there. Um, so being opportunistic to to not shun an opportunity or to be like, oh, I don't want to do that or I don't want to just be a grip or I don't want to just, you know, intern there. Um, that's the attitude that doesn't make it in our industry. But if you're opportunistic and you go do something and you learn something, whether it's what you want to do or not, you're probably going to meet someone that can help you get to that next point. Uh, so, I, you know, I'll keep it very simple for you be curious and be opportunistic would be the advice that I would give to those wanting to work in this industry.
0: That's some great advice. And I hadn't heard that you're all connected by six people before either, which is really interesting. I'll have to look into that myself. I think But it's been terrific to have you on CT. Thanks so much for coming on.
1: Oh, it's awesome. I, I appreciate you uh, a wanting to have me on and two that, uh, that even you and I, and, and we're connecting through this whole thing of, of, of what we've done and, just another example of, of, of how all this works and so uh, I'm pr- proud of proud of you and proud of all all you guys over there and uh, gals over there uh, we just keep growing growing our connection which is awesome
0: thank you for listening to episode 5 of rich's sports media show if you enjoyed make sure to look out for the following episode we're also on Twitter Instagram and Facebook if you would like to follow for regular comment.